Hey everybody, I'm Bobby Salveson. And I'm Michael Monaco, and together we are the Hazmat Guys, connecting the Hazmat community near and far with knowledge, insight, and real-world examples in an effort to make your job just a little bit easier and safer. Now, let's take a minute to hear from today's sponsors. Hey, Mike, pop quiz. What is the standard go-to method for emergency decon? Uh, That's pretty easy. Wet decon, right? Well, you know, you're not the only one that may be thinking that, but it's actually dry decon. No, 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 no. How many times have I heard dilution is the solution to pollution? (laughs) Actually, too many. And that's the issue. Makes sense if you think about it. Without the use of water, we don't need to spend extra time setting up traditional showers or pools. And there's no wastewater afterwards. And you're not going to freeze anybody to death if it's below 60 degrees. Check out firstlinetech.com slash dry decon. First Line Technology has a whole webpage dedicated to the methodology and links to plenty of dry decon resources. See for yourself why dry decon with FiberTech should be your go-to immediate decon solution. With many major cities having nearby waterways, subways, and sewers, first responders sometimes face rescue situations where they must wade into stagnant water. Turnout and traditional rescue gear is not designed to provide protection from hazards and chemicals while submerged in stagnant water. Lion prides itself on making garments to keep first responders safe and is now offering a protection solution for these stagnant water situations. The lightweight one-piece FRS, which is flood response suit, protects against lower levels of liquid concentrations that may be encountered in flood zones or stagnant water where wading is required. The FRS is a non-certified hoodless garment with a special AquaSeal zipper, butyl wrist gloves, and neoprene collar to keep the hazards out. The FRS is made from Kempac, selectively permeable fabric by Gore-Tex Labs, which provides protection from toxic industrial chemicals and bloodborne pathogens while managing heat and body stress for longer mission times. When it comes to ChemBio Solutions, Lion has your back. Let's get to the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Hazmat Guys. I'm Michael Monaco. Yep. I'm Bob. Hi, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Good times. A lot what, of stuff going on. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about uh, FDNY's very first e- EV battery fire. <gasps> what? Ooh, it, it was, I'm going to, spoil alert, a little disappointing. But I'll tell you what we did. Uh, and uh, we've got some mailbag questions. So those are that's going to be what we're going to be covering on today's episode. All right. Well, um, if you're if you're a specialist and you're listening to this the day I edited this, um, today is Thursday, which is the night of the happy hour. Yes, and it is. Tonight, at, uh, the, which is the fourth Thursday of the month at 1900 hours, we're going to be uh, doing this. The HazmatGuys.com slash happy. It's always over that way, so you can find it nice and easy. Uh, conferences that are coming up. I think the next one, we just did um, New York State. Uh, it was New York State. I heard it, it was actually pretty good. They, they redid the whole thing, and things yep. went complete reboot um one of our esteemed uh, colleagues and guys that teaches for us steve kolarchek did his aircraft rescue which you have if you have not heard his sh- uh, spiel uh it was 
so there was so many people in his room. I like to I like to polish my nails on my shirt, you know, kind of saying that I I filled my room. Right. However, they actually had to bring him into the auditorium. Oh, that's great. They had to upgrade him. So um, kudos to him. We should have. You know what we should do? We should ha- we should have him on to talk about the what he covers in the training. Yes, uh, that is yeah. That is something that's on the list of things to do. Um, but we're just uh, I'm helping uh, Rick Emery and the Midwest Conference uh, polish up a couple little behind the scene things that'll be coming up March, uh, May four, five, six, and then you got the cold zone right behind it with our good friends Chuck and Mike up that way, and then Baltimore we're gearing up for. And I was just um, not as much of a baseball connoisseur as I am. Um, the Orioles are home the Ooh. 9th and the 10th, and we will have our rather large, rather over-the-field room on the ready 9th for... Wow. Yeah, so if you are going to be in Baltimore, um, you should probably find us at some point because uh, we'll give you some ridiculous code, and then you'll find out where our room is, and then you can come party with us because we have a ridiculous uh, brouhaha. Yeah, brouhaha. You know? <laughs> Yeah, so that's it. And then Massachusetts in September, but I'll get to that when we get closer to that. So that's it. I wonder, uh, maybe we should have a, a little premium members gathering. Oh, baseball for the premium guys. Yeah, just one day. One day we're just like a premium guys only. If you're like in Baltimore it. and you're a premium guy, come by. All right. Anyway, we'll, we'll figure that oh, out. Oh, you know what? There is one more thing I didn't have written down. Um, if you are not aware... Go to the hasnotguys.com slash 2023-2023. What is it? It is the the sweepstakes. What the hell is it? Oh, man. For a Baltimore? Yeah, we're we're doing the scholarship. Oh, excellent. So you get a free trip plus $500 uh, spending money in your pocket. Um, I'm sorry. Let me say it again. You get a free admission and $500 spending for travel or whatever it might be free on the hazmat Roundtable show because of our gracious, um, sponsors there. So, uh, go over to our website and it, it will be there. I will mention it in about two seconds and I'll also have it in the show notes, but I got to find a few. It is there and it's. 2023 something. I got to remember what the hell it was. I don't want to tell you the wrong thing. So listen listen for another couple of minutes, and I'll, I'll have a few by the time we start talking. And then uh, speaking of the roundtable, roundtable would be next month. So we've only yeah. got uh, next Tuesday, May rather. 2nd. May 2nd. Yeah, that's so, when we're drawing it. Yeah. So uh, make sure you get your, your stuff in then. We will have a, a winner. We'll be announcing it by then. That is open to everybody. Watch it on uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, wh- however you watch your, your streaming videos. So tune in then. Find out who gets the winner for the, the sweepstakes for Baltimore. Uh, we will put together something ah, about. What I got it. Okay. It's the hazmatguys.com slash 2023 Baltimore. 2023 bolt more <laughs> and if you go there you can fill out the form and it's nothing more than just give us a couple of ideas for uh some shows and first and last name and that is it you're subscribe you're in the uh the drawing and then you can um be selected live on the show for a uh scholarship all right so good times well, i uh i wish i wish this was more eventful than it was uh okay but I would like to walk through it because it was it was a first for, for most of us. So we get called up to the uh, called up to the Bronx. There is a truck that had overturned about four hours earlier. 
Mm. It was a beer distribution truck. So if you can imagine kind of that that size, nothing in particular, but it was an EV uh, beer distribution truck. Now, we pull up on scene. There is an engine company spraying water on the battery case. The battery case is behind the compartment and up high. So it seems like in these in these EV trucks, we got two. We got they either replaced the saddle tank at the bottom for like yeah. long distance or um, if you imagine on like a refrigerated vehicle where the refrigerator is just in the back of the cab between yes. the cab and the compartment uh, yep. from the you know from kind of midway all the way to, all the way to the top of the truck uh, was the the battery compartment and and it was uh, it was there uh, when the first two units arrived they said it was smoking and there was a light fire they put water on it the fire went out and they hadn't stopped putting water on it uh, from that point forward. So uh, arriving on scene, got a couple of different things. One, we were under uh, an underpass. So one of the first thoughts for us was, okay, we need to move this out of the way because if it does go into thermal runaway, the heat of that fire can structurally degrade the integrity of the overpass. So we were kind of chatting a little bit about that. Uh, the front wheels were gone. Uh, the, the the brakes were locked up. There was really difficult, really difficult to try to figure out how to move this this vehicle around but the tow truck was there and and everybody was good so the what i really want to talk about is more the discussion of how we ended up doing what we were doing and we started off so when we looked at this vehicle Mm -hmm. the battery compartment was held in by what looked like lag bolts like 15 lag bolt nuts you know the, the caps all over the place so we were like, well, I, I bet you if we needed to, we could take this compartment apart, and that way we could actually get water a little bit further into the into the battery compartment itself. So we're kind of going back and forth with different game plan. In the meantime, our resource guy reached out to the manufacturer of the vehicle, and he was actually able to talk to an engineer. Uh, a couple little interesting things. One, in order to gain access to the battery compartment, you first have to tilt the truck, take off the bolts and the screens, and then remove eight fuses. After you remove eight fuses, you can that kind of de-energizes all the batteries from one another. And then you could turn around and you could disconnect and you could remove the batteries. However, there were eight batteries in this pack, eight modulars. Each modular was 450 pounds. Wow. That's a lot of battery. That's so that's a lot of battery. So we were like, okay, I don't think removing it's going to be an option. So the question then became, well, what are we going like? What are we going to do with this? Right, right. the, the commander is going. What are we going to do? So with all of the all of the classes that we had taken, I turned him and I said, we've got a couple of different options. Right, you're not going to like most of them. <laughs> he goes, okay. I said, option one is we dismantle it like, you know, like they're saying that we can. I go, but here's the problem. We're dealing with high voltage, high amperage energy. That's DC current. None of us are trained on electrical components. None of us are actually trained to dismantle this battery. We have no way of actually removing the battery. We have no way of actually overpacking a 450 pound battery into cell block and rendering. I'm just thinking about lowering it to the ground safely without it just like 
bawling and and insulting it and right making it worse yeah yeah that was all of our stuff we were like all right like if we needed to we could we could do like a high angle or high angle type thing yes a tripod like we could have figured that part out but you're right like then his question was well then what do we do with it once we take it out and i said we don't know we don't have an answer for you but we can put bring the batteries into a spot where if they go they're out of the way of everything, but that out right. of the way of everything was in the middle of the street. Right. Right. Because Which is not going to be happy for the highway patrol to leave the. Right. Yeah. They were not in any way, shape or form going to be okay with that, but it was an option, right? It was wanted to give him all of the different options. Really. I wanted to give him all the different options so he could swallow what was about to come. <laughs> right. Because what was about to come wasn't much better. So then we said, well, we need to move it anyway, right? We have to get it out from under the highway because if it thermally runs away, we can we can destroy the integrity of, of this bridge. So let's at the very least get it out. Okay, so where are we going to bring it to? Well, there was a couple options. We could bring it to the street or the suggestion, the final suggestion was, listen, we can't really dismantle this. We can't really remove it. We can't mm-hmm. really render anything safe. We can't guarantee you that the, the fire is out that it's going to stay out. We can't look at anything. We have no idea what the damage is. Now, the the insult was the actual knocking over of the the vehicle. So on the side where the battery compartment had hit the ground and the, right. the, the it was damaged, that's that's where the smoke and the, the, the little bit of flames had, had been seen earlier. So I was like, I think what the best course of action is, is we need to tow it to an area that's open and secure. And if it catches on fire, there's nothing around it for 50 feet. Okay. Okay. He goes, okay. I like like it. Right. Like that was, that was always what the game plan was going to be. So after a little bit of, of, you know, back and forth, he's like, okay. He's like, we can move it. Um, they, between the tow truck operator and the beverage center, they were able to find a location that fit the description of what we were looking for. And the tow truck operator had absolutely no issue doing this. Then it became an issue of, okay, here's the problem is that we can't run water in motion. So if this currently keeping it cool while transporting, right? So we were like, yes. So what we're going to have to do is stage engines every so often just to be on standby in case this thing does light up on fire in transport we could knock down knock down the flames enough to then keep transporting and what uh, was the distance are we talking about here about a, about two miles away okay so okay. so not insignificant but but significant yeah. at the same time so he becomes somewhat comfortable with that idea. We kind of get everything situated. Engines are called to the final destination. An engine is called kind of in the middle. Uh, in the middle of all of this happening and all of this coordination, there's a another tractor-trailer accident that then blocks our means of egress to where we're going. So in the midst of all that, there, there was there was dealing with that. But that ended up being nothing, and it was just more of a time time thing than anything else uh but so that's what we that's what we ended up doing is we transported this vehicle that wasn't showing any so when we started the transport 
we hmm. wanted to make sure that there were no signs of heat from the battery compartment. And we gave at least five minutes of no water to allow any heat on the inside of the battery compartment to make its way out of the battery compartment so we could see it with the thermal imaging camera. We were pretty comfortable that it was as stable as we could get it. And the tow truck hooked up and started dragging it away. And the brakes were all locked up. So now on top of everything else, you have a, a tires going almost two miles with the brakes totally locked up. So we had to stop incrementally and cool the tires off so that they didn't catch fire oh and in gosh. turn light the vehicle on fire and the battery. So we finally got it to where it needed to be uh, a couple of stops, a couple of wash downs, you know, a couple of this, couple of that. Um, we ended up putting one of our guys in the tow truck vehicle with the guy because we didn't have communications with him. So uh, we 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 established communi- uh, constant communication with the, with the driver. Uh, we got there, set everything up. We got all the other vehicles in this large parking lot out of the way, 50 feet. And then we really tried to drive home the point of like, listen, if this goes up tonight, just let it go. Yeah. Just, just, just let it go. Right. So uh, that was the first uneventful uh, EV fire for New York City. Hey, listeners. The Hazmat Guys have some great news for you and your organization. We are really stepping up our brand of in-person training in addition to the great content you get on demand. Now, we know what you're thinking, but this is already incredibly great stuff, and how could it possibly get better? All I can say is, wait until we're in front of you. When we gather the best of the best from across this planet and even beyond and assemble an instructional cadre that is seriously second to none. And now we have a ton of ways to help you, your team, or your organization get to a level that makes everybody proud. From subscriptions, on-demand, hybrid methods, to full in-person goodness. You can contact me, Bob, at thehazmatguys.com to schedule a call and find a solution that works for you. And every participant of an in-person class gets a free one-year premium subscription, which sounds pretty good. Hmm. So contact me at bobthehazmatguys.com and get some more information. That's incredible. Everybody's talking. Like, honestly, all the classes that we're giving, and I, I will say we're not giving an insignificant amount of these classes or having these conversations around, um, but everybody still talks about EV fires. Yes. We don't want to talk about this anymore. We don't, we don't like (laughs) on this show, we don't want to talk about EV fires. Like we really, really honestly don't. Um, But yeah, it was, we took all the stuff that we have been. And I guess the, the, the big take home for me was, you know, we talk about this in class, we set up, you know, we thought of theories, we thought of all the different possibilities and this is what we went with. And so how do you implement that? How do you implement a policy of non-intervention? while still intervening and doing something because the situation didn't just allow us to do nothing. Like we couldn't just isolate the area that the accident happened 
and walk away. And in class, we have this this discussion and we say, well, you then have to bring the vehicle where once it does light on fire, you're comfortable with it burning. And we took those actions and we implemented them and it worked out really, really good. Uh, I have no idea what the final outcome was. We left. The manufacturer was on its way to do whatever the manufacturer is going to do, uh, which is which is interesting in and of itself. Like, I would love to talk to a manufacturer and be like, what do you do afterwards? Like, we always hear Tesla comes <laughs> and they take the vehicle, right? Or they do, like, what are they doing? How are they transporting safely? What are they doing to make sure? Or are they just winging it? Oh, man. I, you know what? I don't know. I, I think everybody's just headlong into this whole idea of green energy and green, 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 green. And when, you know, I, I, our, our good friend Rob Resende from San Diego, he says, you know, when he talks to these, these manufacturers and everything, he's like, listen, 99% of the time, there's no issues. He right, goes, that's great, there, but the I one. deal for the 1%. <laughs> right, right. That's my whole world. Is when I, uh... it doesn't work right. Right. You know, so like, yeah, that is, I, I understand the safety of these things. And it was just an article uh, I was reading, and it was somebody posted on, uh, I want to say LinkedIn, and it was about sodium ion uh, right. cells. And okay, fine. Sodium is all on that left side of the, the periodic table. It is another uh, one of those elements that loves to, um, you know, be a uh, a donator of, of an electron and uh and the thing is is that yes it is more safer um but the problem is that it doesn't do it as efficiently or as aggressively as lithium ions right. and so with that aggressiveness comes instability which is now would we're splitting the hair where you know do you have that aggressive high energy density with the possibility of reactivity or do you safe it out to sodium and you're like oh this makes sense it's a safer cell but the problem is is that the market won't bear that we want smaller faster tighter more right. energy over longer durations we want tighter stuff and, and so it sounds and, great but it's and, not going to work and let's let's be real let's be real right the first lithium ion commercially was available by sony in 1994. Yeah, it is now. It, it is the now twenty twenty three. So we're talking. Yeah, the Walkman. We are now. We are talking. What is that? It might thirty years. Yes. Yeah. Thirty years. Okay. So it, let's say me and Bob are tinkering in our basement, and we find the answer tomorrow. You're talking thirty years before that technology enters the market and becomes what battery, what lithium ion batteries are right now. Yeah. Like you're talking about a huge shift. So. Even if something were to come out that's better today, a probie getting on today is going to be dealing with this for the next 30 years. Yeah, it's it's an evolving thing. And, and we say this over and over and over. But the thing is, is like, you know, it, I don't see us putting this thing. This will be around probably until I'm in the ground. Right. This will be dealing with this. This is not going away. And. You know, it's not the the flavor of the week. I think this is going to be like this. Isn't like it's a topic that everybody just wants to talk about. Like if you're if you're in the fire service, you you heard you know oh it was writ teams 
And then it was like, you know, the, uh, you know, uh, technical rescue. And these are topics that we picked up because they were shiny and new. And we figured, hey, this is a good thing to get good at. And it became sexy because I really wanted to do it. This is something that was thrust in front of us. And then we had to build the plan around it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I equate this very much in class. I'll often point to older guys and be like, hey, do you remember when thermal pane windows were the big deal? Oh, yeah. Right. And I'm like. I'm like, I asked the program, I'm like, what's a thermal pane window? And they're like, I have no idea. I'm like, yeah, that's because the operation, your your basic fire operation has now adapted and it's not even a right. big deal anymore. It's just, I'm like, one day a proby will be taught in, in proby class all about batteries and it will just be how you operate and nobody's going to care. Yep. So absolutely true and it, it, it's not going away if anybody's saying oh but i but i will say and this is a little bit of a philosophical thing uh, is that i think with all the articles all of the instruction all of the stuff that's out there i'm not going to say uh a time frame but i will say i don't think it's more than a year or two before saturation of the systems are going to occur we, you, what do you mean saturation of the system? Like everybody's like, going to have everything that they have had? I think emergency services, I think, are going to have the training and have it integrated, oh, like yes. you said, into their basic training to where you don't need this addendum training, this, you know, this evolving threat, this, uh, you know, risk, race, reward, whatever the hell they have now um, type training where it's going to be pretty much – I'm not going to say the science is going to be settled, but I'm going to say the training is going to be settled. Right. And and it'll kind of even out. It will. It will. And then and then it'll be things like don't pass an EV battery. Uh, don't pass a battery in a fire. You know, you would you would consider yeah. it just like, you know, you pass a scooter in a fire and now that scooter goes off while you're there and now you're trapped between the scooter and the fire. And that's a really bad position. We talk about that in class pretty extensively. That's the part that's going to be, you know, where you're like, OK, who in your company is assigned to pull that, you know, that that little moped out of the way, away from the line, away from the crew, away from the guy. So it's it'll be stuff like that. But Anyway, enough about batteries. Yes. Uh, we've got some 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 mailbag questions. Let's bang one out. All right. Uh, question number one. Uh, this was asked a, a couple of weeks ago. I do I do like these kinds of questions. What, Fire. in your opinion, is the most underrated meter we have, and why? Hmm. Underrated meter. Yeah, the most underrated meter. I'm gonna think like a department that doesn't have a lot of meters, not not our company. Um <laughs> underrated. I want to say the CO, but I think everybody's gonna say CO. Oh, why would you say I didn't say CO? Why did you say CO? I'm just saying because a lot of the cross sensitivities are very advantageous to us if we use them in a proper way. Mm. Um, I think, you know, the CO is, what do they call it? The poor man's PID. Yeah, the poor man's PID. Um, it also picks up on hydrogen, which is good for your batteries. Wink, wink. Huh? Mm -hmm. um, it also does uh, acetylene. It also does. There's a lot of stuff that you can pick up on unintentional, um, which is kind of one of the things that we do in our classes is, is the hacking of the system to utilize a basic set of tools for a much more robust set of tools, um, which you probably don't even know you have. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with CO. 
Okay. I'm going to go with CO. I think I would say my second one to probably be oxidizer paper. There's a lot of hacks to do with oxidizer paper. Really? All right. Go, go through a couple of them. Um, let's say you rub uh, the oxidizer paper in uh, an unknown and it comes uh, back as pink. It has bismuth. If it comes back as yellow, it's picric. If it comes back as uh, scorched and falling apart, it's sulfuric acid. Mm. There's like, you know, like all these little, and again, I don't have these things memorized. I just have uh, those three or four I do, but I have like a cheat sheet of all types of um, alternates that you would get on pretty much every type of thing, like, you know, pH paper hacks and M8 paper hacks and M9 paper uh, tape hacks. All those hacks that greatly expands your cash of what you can do with your basic meters that you own already. Right. Almost to like, hey, listen, I have ramen and FTIR. You don't need that crap with these hacks. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's funny you bring up ramen and FTIR. That's actually the, the next question. Uh, okay, so mine was the AP4C. I felt ah. I felt the AP4C was the most underrated meter that we have. I do agree with you with the CO. Uh, I, those are all extremely valid points. Uh, I just thought the mm-hmm. AP4C for for all of its function that it can do, it can act in 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 a in some degree as uh, you know looking for a carbon hydrogen bond. So it could kind of act in an, in an LEL fashion, not really in an LEL, just kind of let you know that there's something there, uh, and then you know its ability to pick up or to eliminate things in the air for the phosphorus, the arsenic, and the sulfur, as well as your nitrate compounds. So, you know, I, I kind of feel like if we're going into something and we're looking for hazards, to be able to whip that out real quick, sample the air and say, okay, whatever it is, it doesn't contain phosphorus, it doesn't contain sulfur, and it doesn't have nitrogen bonds, and I'm not picking up, you know, hydrogen in in 300 not hydrogen um carbon hydrogen bonds in under 300 parts per million you know so i think that kind of eliminate that has the ability to almost eliminate a lot of stuff and if you are using it to identify like let's say you bring it into a warehouse setting uh, or a shipment you know you have like a mixed mixed load you know to be able to say okay go through the shipping papers and find me any product that contains sulfur because i'm getting a hit on my on my sulfur, on my AP4C. So whatever this is contains sulfur, that should help you to eliminate different possibilities if you have a list of possibilities. I like it. So. All right. All right, number, like- number two. What are we at? We're well, at 20, 20 minutes? 26. 26? Oh, you guys are going to have to wait till next time. All right. Well, we'll come back with the rest of it. I actually have one more little one. Um that's more for the uh, the dads that are into hazmat and the kids are asking you questions. And you want to look good. So I'll throw uh, one that was thrown at me. Okay. So. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Hazmat Guys. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. And don't be afraid to use that like or follow button. Or you can sign up for even more content from us at thehazmatguys.com. Here, you can subscribe so that we can connect you to even more great stuff. Your support is going to help us improve and build this awesome community even more. Yeah, and if you want to get to the next level, you won't want to miss our premium content. Our specialist level provides you with access to our entire catalog of shows, which is now over 300, an exclusive Facebook group, premium video with no ads, and so much more. Also, check the Hazmat Guys University link on our website. And don't forget... 
We are always interested in hearing about incidences or calls that you have experienced. We may bring you on the show to share that story. Reach us at feedback at the And remember, folks, don't just get on the job. Get into the job. <laughs>